Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode 89 and I am your co-host, Nigel. And I'm Penali. I'm the lead illustrator at Mayamata, uh, standing in as a as co-host today. <laughs> yeah, you might have noticed that's usually where Tazzy comes in. Uh, <laughs> Tazzy is not joining us on this episode because due to uh, travel and it being Christmas and meeting family, she has not been able to uh, see Spider-Man No Way Home, and I definitely don't want to spoil this for her. So we have drafted in someone who you will be familiar with, if you are at all familiar with Maya Mada in any way, but maybe not have heard. So Penali is our illustrator. If you've seen any of our characters, any read any of our manga, uh, you can be thankful that I'm not drawing and I'm just writing. And Penali is responsible <laughs> for everything looking fantastic uh, as it does. So Penali has seen Spider-Man No Way Home. And uh, yeah, we're going to be uh, talking about it with her. Uh, and then Taz will be back for the next episode. So she hasn't gone anywhere. But uh, yeah, we just, you know, the whole no spoiler thing, take that to heart. So we have Penali with us. We still have a bunch of great guests. So allow me to introduce uh, Kota Kitty, a.k.a. Haley, aka a Studio 77 member, uh, someone you might have seen on our Games Night streams as well. But uh, Haley, welcome to the podcast. Hello. It's been a while. <laughs> it has. So we realized that the last time Haley was on, who actually was also on with Penali because we were talking about. Oh, gosh. Oh, well, there's a coincidence for you. The so last time I was on Megamind. it was. Um... I don't think I did that one. No, it was um, an end of the year roundup with um, Michael and Gein. It was the last time I did the podcast, I think. Oh, yeah, that is true. You did. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to update. I'm, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to add a link to that. And then the last time you sort of popped on as a, <laughs> did a cameo appearance on an earlier episode. I oh, think it's God, episode 26. I did. I remember yeah. that now. No, it's just come back to me. <laughs> See, it's all, it's all coming back now, right? So I forgot about the live stream. You forgot about the other podcast. Yeah. You put all the pieces together now. <laughs> so, and then new to the podcast uh, also is Amiad Friedman, a medical doctor, like an actual medical doctor and founder of Digital Doc Games. Amiad, welcome to the show. How's it going, guys? I'm happy to be here. Happy to nerd out a little bit. Oh, yes. That is, that is basically what everyone is here for, <laughs> to nerd out at the event that was No Way Home. And Amiad was last with us on our work and play mental health in video games panel, which we did as part of the Games Careers Week. I believe right. that was this year. That's was right. that this year? Who knows? But I think yeah, so. Yeah, I know, right? Okay. I think so. I'm going to assume. Yeah. And I'm also going to find a link and we'll we'll put that uh, in, our, in our show notes as well. That is your panel for today. As always, you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. And if it's not there, let us know and we'll put it on there. You can always send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com drop them in our Discord, or throw them at us on social media. We are at MayaMada on Twitter, at MayaMada TV on Instagram and TikTok, or at Tazzy on everything. So before we get to today's story discussions, let's update you with the latest from the MayaMada universe. This is one of the last recordings that we're going to be doing for the year. That is 2021. We are coming to the end of Season 3 of the podcast so the way this works we're going to have uh, a few special episodes so we're going to have a best of the year 
episode with different clips and highlights and many, many bloopers from a year of recording. Uh, so that will be with you before the end of the year. Uh, Tazzy and I have also done a uh, best of the year, so our wrapped 2021 episode where we do our top five stories uh, of the year and honorable mentions uh, as well. We then take a recording break. So we'll not be recording any episodes over January, but you will get bonus episodes every week. And then we start recording season four of the podcast in February 2022. So make sure you're subscribed, uh, stick around because you will be getting stuff in your feeds and then we'll be back with new guests, new stories uh, next year. In terms of well, speaking of stories, uh, we have our latest story, Serious Through the Fog. So that is now available. We have both standard and collector's editions uh, available. Thanks to our Kickstarter backers for making that all happen. And yeah, it's there. Go get it. It's a story that's set within a pandemic situation. Blake and his team have to basically do what we've all been doing uh, for the past two years, um, save their business and uh, figure out how to live, how to uh, work things out. So check that story out. Next year, we're going to be working on or continue work on the 11th hour, which is our next big volume, but also bringing together smaller stories from the My Matter universe. I think one of our next ones will be a story around Tazzy's character for a new series uh, I'm calling Origins, where we're going to be sort of exploring the backgrounds to our, the real life people that we turn into characters. So the Maya Matter team now all have characters in the Maya Matter universe, um, including myself, including Penali. And over time, we're going to be doing sort of the background story to each of those characters. So how does that sound, Penali? Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> cool. That is the meeting. Um, so good meeting. We're going to get on that next year as well. <laughs> so you can look forward to that um, as well as anything else we come up with uh, um, in the new year. With the gaming side of things, we have our final games night on Thursday, the 30th of December from 7 p.m. GMT. Um, usually we do our games nights with myself, Tazzy, Studio 77 members. Because this is the end of the year, the floodgates are open. We are opening the doors uh, to everyone. We're going to be playing Gartic Phone, which I've never played before, but I'm told is a cool game, mostly by Haley, I believe. It's very good. <laughs> I, I guarantee you it's a blast. <laughs> cool. There you go. There's the sales pitch. So if you are <laughs> if you are free on the 30th and want to join in, uh, join in the fun, jump in our Discord and you can play with us on the day or watch along on Twitch or do both. You can also check out our previous games nights, uh, highlights with Roblox, Fortnite, Rocket League, Identity V. We played a few games uh, over the year and uh, we're going to continue finding new games to play in 2022. And also in 2022, uh, in January, January 15th to be specific, is our next Gamepad online event. So this is our headline event, uh, which will be live on Twitch and hosted by Tazzy. So we will have our Friendly Fire competition, our industry interviews and giveaways, and the teams will be playing Brawlhalla, Rocket League and Knockout City. Um, so I will be again interviewing another round of people, uh, including uh, Saida Merzova. She is a producer at Don't Nod Entertainment, who are uh, known for uh, Life is Strange uh, series, or at least one and two, and other projects as well. So we're going to be talking about her journey into the games industry and some of the work 
uh, that she does or her thoughts about the industry. So definitely one for people who are fans of that game and just generally people who are interested in breaking into the industry. So the tickets are free. We should be doing new artwork for that uh, as well. And the high-res version will go to the Discord community and one lucky ticket holder will get a printed canvas version. So make sure you get your tickets, even if the event is free, because you'll be uh, in, a, in with a chance to get the printed canvas version uh, of that. So that is what we've got for the rest of this year and a little sneak peek into what we have coming for next year or early next year. Uh, now you're all caught up, let's talk about some of the stories we've been enjoying this past week. So we're going to go into the story of the week segment, which is a spoiler-free discussion about what stories everyone has been reading, watching, or playing. Uh, so let's start with our guests. Um, Amiad, what have you been? Uh, what have you been consuming lately? Yeah, um, I've mainly been watching two different shows. Uh, one is Deck the New Dexter series, and the other is a show on Hulu that uh, I guess I've heard a little bit about you know, just in passing online, but finally gave it a go with my wife, which is Pen15. And I am so surprised how much I am enjoying that show, but really both those shows. So I'm having a good time with them. Cool. How about you, Haley? I have currently today rekindled my love for the Witcher series. I haven't started series two just yet, but I came out on the 17th. Uh, so I'm just re-watching the first one, just getting in the zone for more of Geralt being a cool witcher man, beating up monsters. <laughs> Loving it. Yeah, it's definitely like something that happens when you have all these things releasing a season at a time and you always want to go back and refresh and make yeah, sure and you know. Enjoying all the good bits again, the bits I really like. Yeah. And, uh, then I can, you know, really appreciate season three. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I definitely want to catch up on. I'm, but I think you've got more patience than me. I'm probably going to find like a you know those 15 minute roundups and just uh, <laughs> yeah, just do that. So I'm I'm ready because I did get I got thrown off by the end of season one. So I'm going to need a reminder. Oh my god, no! I was obsessed with The Witcher this time last year, so it still feels like ah, oh, this is the right time to be watching Witcher again. <laughs> All right. Personally, I've been watching, um, well, something I watched recently was Arcane, which is the animated show uh, inspired by League of Legends. So uh, I had a really good time with that. That's like, it's so beautiful. It's like, and it's, it, it's done in sort of the style. I don't know if like, probably most people have seen those, um, the music videos that they did with the League of, League of Legends characters with the K-pop songs. And it's basically like that style. It's the same studio doing the animation and it's really beautiful. And the story is great and the characters are great. So yeah, that's highly recommended. <laughs> is it something you would enjoy even if you haven't played League of Legends or, or don't know much about League? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know much about it. Like I played it maybe 10 years ago i think i played for a little bit but um since then i haven't really touched it and i thought it was great and easy to follow you don't need to know anything sorry i'm, I'm i don't want to turn this into a arcane podcast um this happened when we did our last episode on the incredibles so i'm going to try and restrain myself but amiad Haley, you must you must watch this oh it's, i will I've, yeah, I, I, I will be on it <laughs> and you don't need any prior knowledge i have absolutely no knowledge of league of legends other than it exists and it's a video game that i'm is excited it. excited it's absolutely you don't need any prior knowledge it's it's the like the storytelling is just on another level 
It's the visuals, the music, the voice acting is just mm. absolutely incredible. I'm going to find a way to do an episode of this um, at some point in in season four because it just it's worth it's worth talking about. It's worth breaking down. And I feel also if you're if you're someone who is in the field of making stories, it's almost required watching because you just learn something. It, you, it's one of those things that is so good. You just you have to learn something. Like I'm I'm reconsidering certain stories. Um, that I'm working mm-hmm. on and certain elements because of this show because like it just it just has to be better <laughs> I need to go away and think about how to make this better <laughs> so what well, anyway what have you been what have you been watching Nigel so I have been watching and playing actually I'll start with what I've been playing um so I've been playing a six-year-old game uh Ori and the Blind Forest mm. which is actually maybe maybe the best game I've played all year this is I don't know if anyone's aware of or I played this. Ori okay is is fantastic is um so it's like a it's like a metroidvania i mean that's the mm-hmm. term absolutely yeah which i i didn't realize maybe i like metroidvanias <laughs> you're you play like a i guess it's like an orphan character and the way the game is structured like you you pick up your you pick up different skills and like access to different parts of the level are dependent on what skills you have the way that it works that into the story speaking of visuals with arcane the visuals and this just make it such a delight to play like i'm i'm actually really enjoying uh this game i think i got it on my steam wish list because it dropped in price and i'd heard someone speak about it so i was like let me add it to the wish list and then you know you get a notification that your you know the thing you put in your wish list is now you know 50 percent uh, cheaper so i right, let me let me buy it and I, I may as well and then it just sat there for ages so I thought, okay, let me actually go and play it. And I'm, yeah, I'm just like continuously blown away by how good this game is. So I recommend that too. A beautiful game and very challenging, but in a in the best kind of way. Yeah, and and that's why I thought I didn't like Metroidvania because I'm I'm kind of soft when it comes to video games. Like I don't like like unnecessarily difficult things. Like I'm not necessarily playing games for the for the extreme difficulty so something like dark souls doesn't appeal to me but this is challenging but i feel it's never challenging in a way that seems unfair right you always know like with games like this why i like them you always know what you need to do like it's right there in front of you the only thing stopping you from doing it is just is yourself so it it always feels fair which is i think a really great balance to achieve yeah, and, and that I like. So I yeah, highly recommend that game. Really, really enjoying that. And I think there's another one as well. So there's like a sequel. So I'll move on to that once I finish with this. I've also been watching The Mandalorian. I'm late to the party, as I often as. Uh, I've just been speaking about a six-year-old game. So I'm late to the party, but just finished that. Uh, we also have a, a whole retrospective episode coming next on the podcast where Tazzy uh, and I break down our favorite moments from the story. So recommend people check that out. Uh, and then my last thing I've been watching is Hawkeye. So oh yeah, Hawkeye. Keeping the link to yes, I still Marvel. Haven't seen that. <laughs> uh, I, I forgot to add that to my list. Of course, of course. Hawkeye. Oh, you've been watching that as well. Yeah. Oh, it's it's really. Um, I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah. Have you seen this Penali? No, I haven't. But it's, I, I I only heard of it like a few days ago because I feel like there hasn't been that much buzz about it. But um, yeah, it's definitely on my list now. So I, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm liking what Marvel are doing with uh, with the different seasons or the different series because mm-hmm. they all feel different. And you know, you might like one over the other. I certainly do 
different have favorites but i like that they're different i like that they're trying different formats expanding the universe in uh, in different ways and this is kind of a it's a christmas yeah, it's a Christmas movie stretched over uh, a number of, of episodes. But yeah, it's, it's really, it's kind of light, enjoyable, fun. And yeah, I, I can't really say too much more about it. And I won't because it's a non-spoiler uh, segment. But uh, I do like enjoy that. No, I definitely need to watch it. I always, I always forget the TV series exist. <laughs> I end up watching the film. There's also so many of them. So if you only yes. have like a limited amount of free time, you're like, oh, which one am I watching? I've literally only seen one Division and Loki. That's it. <laughs> The timing of Hawkeye feels really good right now. If you are up to date with it, seeing mm. Spider-Man and again, no, no spoilers here, but I think they thought about it of when they were releasing it because uh, there were some kind of satisfying, you know, light connections, uh, but mm. uh, it was kind of felt good nice. Uh, if there's one thing we know about Marvel, they have put a lot of thought into this. So it's yeah, definitely... for sure. <laughs> I, I, I don't envy everyone having to plan them out. <laughs> I know, right? Anyway, um, so those are the stories we've all been enjoying. So uh, shall we get into our main story discussion? Today, we're going to be talking about Spider-Man No Way Home, the 2021 comic book film and I believe 27th entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, directed by John Watts and written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. Uh, the film stars Tom Holland, Zendaya, Benedict Cumberbatch, and many, many more that we will get into in just a moment. Uh, so spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about all aspects of the film or well, as many aspects as we can get to uh, in the time we are here so if you have not seen it what are you doing go see this film go see it pause and then come back to us so uh, we definitely don't want to i feel this is a film like i, I, I would hate to yeah, spoil definitely. anything for people so this is your warning hopefully anyone who's left has seen it and we continue uh, so i will do a recap of the story but before I do that, I want to get a uh, quick overall impressions from each person. So uh, we'll start with our, our guests. So Haley, what are your overall impressions of this film? Of just screaming, crying, everything. <laughs> <laughs> that, that movie was electric. It was just everything no it intended, needed to be and sure. more. Like, I just, wow. Like, because um, I saw it at my local cinema and that place is usually empty, maybe like one other person. And it was full, like every single seat. And I think that was like the 12th showing that day and it was still full. Oh my God, <laughs> the energy. <laughs> it was amazing. Right, I like the sound of that. Um, Amiad, <laughs> how about yourself? Did you also uh, watch it with like uh, in the right crowd? Yeah, yeah. I, I have seen every Marvel movie opening night other than unfortunately other than endgame i had to be i think a day or two late to the party okay yeah yeah it was it was over a holiday that i couldn't i couldn't see it but thankfully i was there for no way home because yeah electric that's a great way to put it it, it was really just is what i love about the mcu and why i love seeing these movies opening night because it was just such a joy it was so fun to be in this audience and to be a part of that like that's a memory that will always live in my head you know like like the other ones before it but i was very, very nervous, very worried going into this movie. I really didn't think they were going to do it. And, you know, I trust the MCU. I trust Kevin Feige. But I was really nervous that this movie was being created and was existing to appease 
Sony and Disney's relationship. And, you know, with what we saw, you know, with Venom at the the end credits scene in Venom, I didn't see the movie, but I, I saw the end credits scene and the trailer for Morbius. You know, I was just so nervous of what it was going to do, you know, that this entire movie was just going to serve to bridge the Sony universe with the MCU. And I just didn't want that. But the way they did it, I mean, there's no way it should have worked as fantastically as it did. And just ev- almost every single piece was a 10 out of 10 in how they handled it. Um, not everything, but it, it was just so good and was so surprising and skipping way, way to the end, you know, th- th- that was my thoughts all the way through. Um, and then an end credit scene when all of a sudden Venom comes in, sort of that, that anxiety is back. And I'm like, no, 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 like get him out of my MCU. <laughs> and then they did it. Like they, they got him out and I, and I think it was great. But they left a good the, part. They, they, but they left a good part and they just, they realized that, you know, there are certain parts of those movies that are silly and are just a different tone, honestly, than MCU. Uh, and they they leaned into it rather than ignoring it. Um, and they it, it just felt authentic MCU through and through and, and then authentic Spider-Man even. Um, they, I, I, I loved it. All right. And uh, Penali, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, same as everyone else. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I definitely felt like it was sort of like, you know, a, a love letter and a bit of a send off for those other um, iterations of the character, those other um, screen portrayals. And I really liked that. I thought that they did it really well and they balanced they balanced all the aspects of, you know, the MCU stuff and the, you know, nods to the old stuff pretty well. And uh, yeah, I just had a lot of fun with it. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to echo everyone else. So if you if you didn't like it, this might not be the podcast for you, but maybe we can convince <laughs> you otherwise. I don't know. But so I'm going to try and like, as we talk about this, I'm going to try and balance my subjective and try to be <laughs> objective. Because mm-hmm. um, subjectively, this is great. This is so just like hyped. It is great. It's one of those um, uh, event experiences where for me, uh, and I think uh, everyone else would agree it's sort of watching it with people who are also enthused about it just adds to that uh, experience particularly at certain moments i don't know if this is the the best spider-man story but i think it's the best spider-man experience and one of the best like cinema experiences yeah that's that's that, a good way to I've put enjoyed. it so i'm gonna try and balance those uh <laughs> objective subjective we'll see how it goes um i would also say that it's a testament to missing leaks so i saw it early enough that i didn't get anything i mean there were rumors and things but nothing was confirmed until i got to watch it in the cinema and i think it was a better watching experience uh, yeah because i was starting to get worried that it wasn't actually they weren't going to be in it like i was thinking mm-hmm. oh God. i was like oh yeah, is, it, is it is it just going to be the villains i was like there no, there'll be an uproar if there isn't like because mm-hmm. there's so many and then as soon as he was like, find Peter Parker, I was like, ah! <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is it, this is it, this is it. And I, I went with my mom and I literally like my hand like flew yeah. to her knee. Yeah, I was like, that, <laughs> got so loud when Andrew Garfield yeah. came in. Yeah, everyone was, cheered it was and clapped. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it. It was Andrew Garfield got a big cheer and then Tobey Maguire was like, oh my God, the roof caved in. Like it was. <laughs> I, know, I feel like. Like having all and this is kind of the the problem with like leaks and setting expectations is like you said Haley, you can get to a point where if it's not what you know everyone social media whatever it might be has thought up 
then there's suddenly uh uproar which there would have been but it's almost uh for me it's just a go watch it like i, I think i watched the first trailer i might have watched the second trailer but i knew i was going to see it so i, like, I don't want to hear anything i'm going to see it yeah. i'm just going to take what they give me whether those guys are in it or not so i'd say that as well but yeah for me i i really enjoyed this i think they got the they just about got the balance right between that sort of fan service and mm-hmm. uh, a a good story that fits within uh, the world they've created for Spider-Man uh, specifically. So, but yeah, we're going to get into that. We're, we're definitely going to get into those um, uh, those reveals. But let me recap uh, the story. So this is a story that takes us to the moment Mysterio has revealed Peter Parker's identity as Spider-Man. Uh, Peter, Aunt May, and his friends are soon interrogated by the Department of Damage Control. But a very good lawyer, Matt Murdock, gets the charges dropped. The group must still deal with the negative publicity. And after Peter, MJ, and Ned are rejected from MIT, Peter visits the Sanctum Sanctorum to ask Stephen Strange to cast a spell that would make people forget Peter is Spider-Man. Strange casts the spell, but Peter's request to allow MJ, Ned, and May to keep their memories corrupts it. Later on, as Peter tries to reason with an MIT administrator about MJ and Ned's applications, he is attacked by Otto Octavius, and during the fight, Norman Osborn also appears uh, and attacks. Doctor Strange captures Octavius and places him in a holding cell in the Sanctum, alongside Kirk Connors uh, in his lizard form. Strange explains that a spell summoned people from the multiverse who know Spider-Man's identity and orders Peter to capture the remaining visitors. Strange prepares a spell contained within a box that will send the villains back to their respective universes, but Peter steals the box spell and traps Strange in the mirror dimension. So Peter takes the villains to Happy's apartment, believing that they can be cured of their powers and prevented from dying in their own universe. He successfully cures Octavius, but Osborne's goblin persona convinces the others, Sandman and Electro, to betray Parker. In the fight, Osborne stabs May with his glider. Before dying, she tells Peter that with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And then comes the moment everyone was waiting for. So Ned discovers he can create portals, which he and MJ use to try and locate their Peter. They instead find two other versions summoned by Strange's spell. First up is Peter 3, aka Andrew Garfield, and then Peter 2, aka the coolest youth pastor, aka Tobey Maguire. (laughs) All three Peter Parkers work together to develop cures for the remaining villains and lure them to the Statue of Liberty. They cure Sandman, Lizard, and Electro with the help of Octavius. Ned frees Strange from the mirror dimension, but Osborne arrives and destroys the box spell, rupturing the barrier separating universes. An enraged Peter, our Peter, or their Peter, uh, attempts to kill Osborne, but Peter too stops him. Peter three and Parker inject Osborne with his cure, restoring his sanity. Peter then realizes that the only way to protect the multiverse is to erase himself from everyone's memory and request Strange to do so, while promising MJ and Ned that he will find them again. Peter later visits MJ and Ned to reintroduce himself, but decides against it, wanting to keep them safe. While mourning at May's grave, he has a conversation with an unaware Happy and is inspired to carry on without his identity, making a new suit and resuming super heroics. 
and in the mid-credits scene, a universe-displaced Eddie Brock with his symbiote Venom decide to find Sp- Spider-Man, but are returned to their own universe due to Strange's spell. They unknowingly leave the good part, the symbiote, behind. The end. So, I think we've established, like, we've roughly, we all saw it early enough to avoid any major spoilers. Uh, like I said, there had been talk about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield uh, being in this film, and as Haley mentioned, I, I I felt it got to a point where if they weren't in it, there would just be uproar. But it is almost a point where, like, a fan expectation or yeah, fan sentiment has set the expectation, which may or may not have been true, but it happened, and it was fantastic. However, it was, <laughs> it was amazing, and but for me, because that was the one part that I was sort of expecting like it wasn't confirmed before i went to see it so it could have gone either way but the one i didn't see coming was matt murdoch and that oh was one God. i was like oh such a surprise, such <laughs> I, a surprise. I saw a leak unfortunately oh, so i already knew man. that was it oh. <laughs> yeah i literally saw one photo from the set on twitter and i was like but also like damn <laughs> i mean i remember when the the first trailer came out and there was like somebody's like arm or like pants walking by or something and the people like oh my god like that's that's charlie cox's arm and you know Mm. he was was doing so much denying and i don't know i don't know if that scene was actually in the movie i don't know if that actually was him or not because it was at the police precinct and he wasn't there to my knowledge in the movie okay but that's one of my favorite things about this is how you know specifically uh charlie cox and andrew garfield how much acting they had to do for yeah. like the past year off screen, making oh, up, sure. you know, different, you know, histories, their different realities mm-hmm. of, of them not being in it. And, you know, Andrew Garfield, I was just watching an in- interview today being like, you know, I never got the call. Like, you know, people are going to be disappointed when they see this movie. And it's just so, it must be so <laughs> fun for them. And Charlie Cox, like same thing. Like I would love to play Daredevil again. Like that would be great. But as far as I know, you know, they, they haven't said anything mm. to me. Like it's so. The only thing I saw was a story of Kevin Feige saying that Matt Murdock or Charlie Cox specifically will be playing Matt Murdock on the MCU right, at some point. he did say that a couple at, weeks ago. Well, he said at some point, at some time. So I was like, oh, great. He's going to, they're going to find a way to, to work him in. And then I'm in, in the cinema. I was like, <laughs> you need a lawyer? I'm a very good lawyer. It's That's amazing. I just, didn't, so I just didn't see that coming. It was so, such a surprise. How about you, Penali? Did you, did you have that spoiled or? Uh, no, I didn't know about that going in. I actually like, I, I haven't, it's been a while since I since I watched any of of that, so it's so I was like, I, I wasn't even aware about about that being a possibility, and then and then ah. I was like watching it, and I was like, oh, is that? And then I was like, oh yeah, it is. <laughs> so that yeah. was yeah, it was definitely a surprise. Well, I, I've been dying to ask this question, and do we think? I mean, it's all speculation at this point. Do we think that the Netflix Daredevil series is it canon? Are these variants? Are they rebooting them? Hmm. I actually never watched Daredevil, which is really shocking because uh, I actually really love yeah. the comics of him. Um. So I will say, I'll come back to your question in a second, Amiad, but I'll say the, so for those that don't know, the before, well, not quite before the MCU, but before the MCU certainly started consolidating everything in their, in their grasp, uh, Netflix had a series of Marvel shows that weren't sort of directly tied to what was going on in the sort of main universe. So you had Daredevil, you had Jessica Jones, you had Luke Cage, and unfortunately you had Iron Fist uh, as well. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then... Agents what, of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., great show. 
Oh yeah, yeah, actually, mm-hmm. I'm not that one. I haven't seen, but so then once MCU started, sort of, I think they they bought Fox and it started sort of consolidating things. The process they're still doing. They cancelled those shows. So I would say Daredevil, specifically Daredevil season three, for my money, is the best Marvel series of any like of anything anything that Disney that is on Disney Plus now. Uh, anything that's come before is absolutely the best uh, series season one is great and season three is worth going through season two <laughs> to get to season three <laughs> but yeah yeah see i season... only ever saw season one which is why i was like oh it's been a while <laughs> ah okay you need to get to season three it, it's just right, it's noted. very is very very good there's certain moments where i remember watching it and turning around to no one in particular but like <laughs> this is a really good show like this is yeah. a genuinely yeah. like forget superhero thing this is just a good story and that incre- I'm watching. like probably one of the best acted yeah. anything like mcu anything especially season three i mean you have uh fisk and and Murdoch, they're just incredible brilliant. actors yeah is yeah so that's just a advert for uh for daredevil season three so yeah so we had uh charlie cox that was a great thing his his reveal of um his powers when the brick comes in and he just catches mm-hmm. it before that was great that was beautiful. Like, How did you do that? so, <laughs> so cool like i'm a very good lawyer <laughs> <laughs> so that was great and then obviously we get to the moment that people were really waiting for. So the introduction of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. So for me, I I mean, this is great, just just great fan service. Obviously, if you've seen those films, if you like those those versions of of Spider Man. But what I liked is that they weren't just in there for gimmicks. They actually they contributed to the the story's narrative and the narrative theme as it relates to this universe's um, Peter Parker, Tom Holland's Peter Parker, while also offering closure for i feel like andrew garfield because he his journey got cut short mm-hmm. and personally toby Maguire because as good as uh, and again <laughs> these are my opinions as good as uh, daredevil season three was spider-man three for me is terrible and <laughs> yeah is, uh... there are let me say that there are only a couple times in my cinema going life that i've wanted to get up and walk out of a cinema spider-man three was one of them Wow, I, I did not like that. <laughs> especially did after not. Spider-Man Two, which was like, uh, I mean, uh, at least in my opinion, that was the best one of the Sam Raimi series. So, so following that with Three is like, oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I got a bit of uh, redemption for Tobey Maguire, who I thought was great in this. Yeah, world. it was really nice mm. to see them given a send off uh, here. Yeah. And that, that's kind of what I meant, you know, in my my intro. They didn't try and fix anything, you know. They did like the MCU. I don't know, there's probably I'm sure there's people I know there's people who feel differently, but MCU at all, in a, as a whole at least is just so much better and deeper and more thought out and grounded than any other superhero series, um, including the Spider. And I love this is just an example of one of the decisions that they did so right, which is to, you know, rather with the villains, they picked them out out of time in the movies that we knew and they de-aged them and all those things. But I love the decision to age the Spider-Men and to hear just, you know, what they've been up to during this time. It just, it really, really worked. And I think Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, his story that they gave him of that he's, that line, I stopped pulling my punches was mm. so powerful and such an interesting arc for him. And of course, it leads in later down in the movie, you know, that he has a redemption opportunity, uh, which was just really beautiful. But I, I really, that this was just one of them like, oh, oh they're going to bring in these other Spider-Men, but 
they're kind of weird in their own movies and, you know, Spider-Man 3 happened and all these things, but they didn't try to retcon that. They didn't try to fix it. They didn't try to, you know, they just, they, they said, Hey, that's their universe and they've been living in it. And I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And like you say, they, they, they stuck with the character. So they, like you said, they didn't try and fix anything and they folded that into this story. So where there were, I don't know, regrets. or so even you had that moment with, cause I think, like I mentioned, Andrew Garfield's, he had two films. He was going to have a third. And as I understand mm-hmm. it, because of the, the lackluster performance, uh, box office performance at least of the two films they cancelled the uh, the third or was it something to do with, like behind the scenes production uh, i don't know if anyone has any uh, insight to that but for whatever reason there wasn't a third so it felt like his journey got kind of cut short and to a certain extent i thought that came, came across in his character because you had he had almost like a inferiority complex because he was you know i'm not i'm not good enough and you had uh, toby Maguire saying like no yeah. you are amazing <laughs> yeah there was a lot of like sort of you know nods to general public opinion of of the different uh versions <laughs> and the, the back cracking scene <laughs> oh that was good it's <laughs> incredible incredible like on paper <laughs> that shouldn't work but it was so good so apparently toby Maguire actually messed up his back filming that's right that's right <laughs> So that's like a genuine thing he might have needed in while and shooting. And I think it was it was was it Spider Man two? I think that's what it was. Uh, and he has a line in that where you know he's trying. I think yeah, because he loses oh, his powers yeah. and then he's he's going and he's like, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. And then his I think his web shooters still or not web shooters, his webbing still doesn't work. Uh, and then he goes like, my back, and like all yeah, of that was a line because <laughs> yeah, he like was compl- I think. He was complaining, did was asking for more money because he hurt his back or something. So it's like all a slight <laughs> against Toby Maguire. Oh my gosh. Oh, I didn't even know that. Okay. Yeah. So they just they worked that in as well. So yeah, I we're definitely gonna take, talk more about uh those two and and their moments. Um and then it just reminded me of the uh the nineties uh animated show which had like a multi Spider Man arc and right. like Isn't that how it ended like did they ever conclude that i don't remember it's actually the honest answer i don't i don't feel like they did because i remember I feel that like being it like ended quite on a yeah i think it ended on a cliffhanger and it didn't get renewed or something i remember being really upset about that that was a great show that was a great show and um something i'm going to put this in the show notes but there's uh, a whole spider-verse crossover comic um by dan slot which uh, i now want to go and read so i'm going to put that in the, the show notes for uh, anyone who's also uh, interested but yeah i just wanted to get straight to the the bit that everyone was waiting for i felt that it's one of those things like i said this is a, like an event film and when you're in that cinema it reminded me of the moments in endgame where you get those those points where you know captain america picks up thor's hammer yes. or mm-hmm, everyone comes back mm-hmm. with everyone's just like always remember right yeah yeah I um I, I saw a um, midnight release of Endgame, so like you know I was one of those. But just, and that moment that Cap held that hammer, I haven't felt anything like that since like in, in forever. And then yeah, that Andrew Garfield moment, the the first reveal, that was that same feeling of just ah. yeah, like, <laughs> everyone everyone was delighted. <laughs> yeah, it was just ah oh, the rush. <laughs> and I will say because I feel I said this on the I think I said this on the Eternals podcast where post endgame we're now going into a space where it is going to be basically popular sport to criticize the mcu 
And that's not to say that everything the MCU will do from now on, well, it's not to say that everything they did before was perfect. It certainly wasn't. Uh, and, you know, there's going to be mistakes. There'll be there'll be bad films uh, and all that. But I'm just thinking, especially like since the pandemic, isn't this why we go to the cinema for this? <laughs> why you want to sort of go back to the cinema, uh, get people excited and entertained? Yeah, I just think sometimes people can be too cynical about these films, but I, I just, I don't know, what more do you want in, in the cinema? Having said that, let me try and bring in some objectivity uh, into this. I said I'll try and be balanced. But so you have the balance of story versus plot. And my question is, does this film get that balance right? So there is a criticism of the MCU where at moments it could be too focused on worrying about setting up the next part of the story. So an example for me is watching Loki and getting to the end of that where it felt like the pacing sort of ground to a halt because they needed to spend some time explaining things that are going to be relevant for the wider MCU. Now, it's not necessarily a deal breaker for me, but I did notice like, oh, this is one of those moments where because of everything existing in the shared universe, you have to do this. And maybe they could have done it in a better way, but you, this has to be done in, in a certain uh, a certain point. So with Spider-Man No Way From Home, we have a lot of elements that obviously we've talked about the other two. Uh, Spider-Man, we have... Uh, even Matt Murdock, um, we have the villains. There's a lot spent on either nodding to past installments or setting up things like the multiverse that are going to impact the next phases uh, of the MCU. How does everyone feel about the balance in in this film and how it dealt with in a story perspective? Like, is this a good story? It's interesting because you know your example of Loki. That's that scene, I assume you're talking about at the end, sort of with the the main villain reveal. Yes. Um, that's my favorite part of Loki, and that is the reason okay. I like that show so much. So it's that, that it, it, obviously it's interesting. Uh, I've never heard that criticism of it, even though I'm sure it's out there. My example, I think of you know when it's not done right, is like in Avengers: Age of Ultron. I think there's a scene where like Thor goes off into some cave and takes a bath and has a vision and it's kind of all wasted time served to set up Ragnarok and it, it just kind of felt out of place in that movie so I, I yeah I think it could happen but I think this movie and that's one of the reasons it's so special and again like it shouldn't have worked as well as it did but they were just so careful with it is you know you have to be careful with fan service but everything felt especially, I guess, in the third act, appropriately large for the um, grander, greater MCU. But then they so beautifully brought it back to Spider-Man's story that at the end, it was the most authentic Spider-Man story. And actually, this movie, as a, as a single movie... I think what really worked that balance almost better, in my opinion, than any other movie, because it was very much a standalone adventure. You know, it wasn't until that third act that it kind of opens up, um, no pun intended, a little bit more. But then they bring it back to Peter. So I, I think this is actually an example, in my opinion, that other movies can look at and be like, OK, how do we do it right? Well, let's look at Spider-Man. What did you think, Penelope, from like a storytelling perspective of like, did they strike the right balance here? 
I do think that like that it did a really good job of balancing those two aspects. Like I'd never felt watching it that like if someone were to come into this movie without the knowledge of the either the previous Spider-Man whatever or of uh or of other MCU stuff going on right now like like mentioned um Loki, I never got the impression that people would be really confused as to what's going on unless they knew those things. And I also didn't really get a huge impression that they were just setting up a bunch of stuff. Like, yeah, of course, they're setting up like this whole multiverse thing, which is, you know, clearly the where the MCU is going next. But it also felt like it it fit with the narrative here where like, you know, Peter meets his other selves and then like learns something from them or like, you know, it ties into his emotional journey. So I thought that it did a pretty good job. Yeah. And because I, I always watch these things like I personally love what like MCU doing just from an entertainment um, perspective, but also as a writer of stories and specifically stories that exist within you know our own uh, shared universe, uh, you know, say a fraction of the size of uh, of the MCU, but it is a shared universe. So for me, sometimes I watch these films and I'm just like taking mental notes. And also, if by any chance Kevin Feige is listening to this i'm happy to intern for a period of time and I just like follow you around and, <laughs> and figure out how you how you do all this because just the way they put things together so oh, the other incredible. appreciation i have from like a storytelling perspective is like the idea of compromise so as i'm watching this there are certain things you can you can pick up well, i sort of looked at where you have for example the the time spent on the fallout of peter's identity being revealed uh, the damage it does you i mean you could be hypercritical and say like is it really that big a deal that they didn't get into uh, mit that's kind of like first world problems is that a uh, big enough problem mm-hmm. to go and want to mm-hmm. erase everyone's memory you can have the the convenience of this idea of being able to cure villains with this like stuff you cooked up in a in a lab i think with the exception of tavius because he's the one where something did actually happen to his his brain uh, that you could reverse. Yeah, like in the original like, film. Yeah. yeah. So you could look at things like that, but it's always a compromise, right? And you always have to, there's only so much you can fit into any story. Mm-hmm. So it's about what do, you, what do you focus on and how do you get across all the elements for the story, for the character, as well as tie it to, you know, what is the, the larger uh, MCU? So I feel like the balance was done well and... Especially like Amy, as you mentioned, this is is better than it. You know, it, it could have been worse. It could have, they could have uh, messed this up with like packing so many characters. And I feel what they did very well is tied to to Peter, to Tom Holland's Peter and his mm-hmm. narrative journey. Because you have that whole thing of him leaning into the or learning about the you know with great responsibility with great power comes great responsibility, uh, but also his idea of second chances and being able to give people second chances so everything kind of tied into that and i feel that's the the way they they tied in all these different elements to still make it work in in a from a story perspective i think the one thing that didn't work for me so well and i have to see it again i'm excited to see it again uh next week and usually i enjoy these movies even better more on the second time because you can kind of see you know the, the intelligence behind it how it's leading into it but the Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange for me is a tough character. Mm. Very, very interesting where we're at with him in MCU because we've seen him, I think, in like five or so movies at this point. But we've only had one Doctor yeah, Strange movie. <laughs> yeah. And we just, I always feel a little unsettled because we don't 
really know his character so much. I think we we think we do. Like in Infinity War, he's sort of you know he's the Sorcerer Supreme, and he's um, the you know just one of the most brilliant minds and capable wizards ever. And he you know his thing in in Infinity War is that it's always for the greater good. Like he even says to to Peter, like I'm not. Oh, he says to Tony, I'm not going to save the kid, right? Like I'll never give this up. And then parallel paralleling that with this movie where. He's mm-hmm. kind of just like, yeah, I'll I'll make this crazy mind control spell for the entire world. I had the same I had the same issue when I was watching it. I remember like I was watching like that opening bit where he agrees to just like he just you know he doesn't even think about it. He's just like, yeah, right. sure, I'll do this. And it's like, and I, that just made me go like, huh? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think like if if maybe Wong wasn't in it, and instead of Wong being the opposing force, if it was Doctor Strange opposing it to peter and you know then eventually because it was i think it was his love for peter and and that he genuinely felt bad for what was going on in his life that made him do it but if he just maybe struggled with it a little bit more i do feel like there should have been a bit more back back and forth rather than him immediately caving or like just not really seeming to care about the seriousness of this yeah it's sunday (laughs) i'm not doing anything (laughs) he's just in his in his pajamas like (laughs) i don't know what what got me with the whole like not getting into mit and like having to go for all this is like peter parker work with tony stark he's got the like stark industries like scholarships and all that behind him and yet MIT still don't want him. So <laughs> then they have to go and like <laughs> wipe the minds of everyone everywhere, you know? And I'm just like, that was the one thing I was like, Peter, you don't, you don't need to go through you this, honey. MIT, like, yeah. <laughs> well, I think even Dr. Strange so said smart. that. <laughs> he said like, you didn't call them? but i also like how like how appropriate that is for like you know it reminds you that like he's really young he's like just a kid leaving high school so of course he's gonna think these things are huge wet and he's not gonna think of obvious things because he's still so young no and like you know aunt makel was everywhere for him why why would he he (laughs) (laughs) it's like asking your mom to phone the dentist like (laughs) that's true you gave me that that kind of vibe (laughs) and you are reminded he is young and especially with the other spider-man you kind of get that sense and i, I like that they leaned into that where you mm-hmm. get at different stages of spider-man and you reminded that's that. been my favorite part of all the spider-man mcu movies uh is because you know th- th- he does feel young i mean they feel like high school movies you know like mcu the first yeah, one is literally that's right that's right and like the in the second one you know the awkward you know love story between him and mj and him being nervous like it's so authentic and that's i felt in probably the you know the second or like I don't know, let's say the second third of the of the movie um i found myself you know being like oh do i like where it's going like is he really just gonna spend this whole movie just catching all these villains i don't really care about these villains so much you know i i really liked in the first third i loved how much we were getting to time how much time we were getting to spend with peter and mj and ned and all of a sudden it seemed like they're going away from that so i started to get nervous again um but then they they calmed me down yeah they bring it back around and yeah fold them back in no definitely there was yeah there's definitely a moment where uh i mean i was okay with the villains but i was just thinking like this is too much for peter to handle on his own you know what he would need he'd need more Peter Parkers. <laughs> so at that point, I was like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for some cameos. Um, yeah. So you have this. There's always this balance. And I think 
particularly with with the MCU and what they're doing in in setting up things that are coming uh, later, you're going to have like even more of a I don't maybe compromise isn't even the right word in this sense, but it's it's just that that balance. Sometimes it's going to uh, work. I felt that it, it worked well here. Sometimes they might uh, get it wrong. But similar to what I was saying with the uh, this TV series, uh, what I want to see in general with like this next phase, this phase four, and what comes next is just them trying different things because it will be, I think it'll be worse if they just repeated the exact same formula. I mean, there's, there's clearly a Marvel formula, but right, I mean, right. the exact same formula that led up to, to Endgame. Like, there's so much story to play with and there's so many ways to do it. Like, just do something different. You're, you're, you're Disney. You can afford to take some losses. Um, so just try some different things. Uh, things might not always work. So yeah, I, I think they got the balance uh, right. But I can also see there were definitely, for me, some like conveniences in, in the plot that where things needed to happen to set up the next thing within the story. Mm-hmm. So things were like smoothed over. Uh, so we can get to the next. Yeah, like the whole, like the whole making little devices to fix the villains, or like Doctor Strange immediately agreeing to do the thing. Like these are just yeah. things that needed to happen to move the, the 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 story along. Which I can forgive that because like you only have so much screen time, and you have to focus on the important stuff and like just sort of you know quickly get through the the other stuff. So I I, I can forgive that. Yeah, no, definitely. And I even <laughs> as I was watching, I just remembered like with our latest manga and just the story there and. Um, having to focus on like Blake's story and some of the other characters will go into the the background where I would have liked to have told more of like other stories and how they were impacted by the events uh in in Through the Fog. But then you have to remember like where's the focus of your story mm-hmm. and what are you trying to uh get to. So yeah, it is always that uh that balance. And uh I mean part of the balance was because there were so many characters um in this. So this is most definitely a very large cast. And like I mentioned, the making them fit under this narrative theme of uh, Peter Parker, of Tom Holland's Peter Parker, believing that people deserve second chances. I mean, there's that moment in the the basement of the Santorum where <laughs> Doctor Strange is, is just you know ready to send these people back, uh, whatever the consequences. And you have that moment where Peter, you can see he's like, uh, "I'm going to take the box. I'm going to take the box. I'm taking the box." <laughs> and I think uh, MJ uh, says something along the lines of like, "That's not who he is. Like just sending them to to die mm-hmm. like, without thought." Like, and that's what that story uh, is about. So we have a lot of characters. We've spoken about the Spider Men. We can sp- speak more about the Spider uh, Spider Men. So with the Toby Maguire, when he comes in, when Andrew Garfield comes in, like brilliant moments, very funny moments, and seeing them interact, just like casually interact as they're in Ned's house, as they go to the, is it a school lab? Are they in a school lab? I think so. I don't know. know Yeah, I don't know what lab it was. Okay. I mean, it wasn't like a, it didn't (laughs) look like a a science lab, like a school one. Yeah. The the little um, Bunsen burners. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) So then, yeah, you see the different stages and you, and that's right. Cause when they, sorry, when they, you know, I think it was Toby Maguire was like to MJ, you know, does he have a place he likes to go? And she thought, uh, and she yes. said, yeah, it was the school roof, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. That's it. So so that, you know, it, was it must school. be the lab. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Toby Maguire, like for me, definitely redeemed that, that character. I, I love the, the vibe they came in with he came in as like the, the elder statesman Spider-Man who I've, I've seen it, I've done it. 
Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm comfortable with who I am. And I think one of my favorite moments is a tiny moment, but one of my favorite moments of the entire film is I think they've just got all the cures and they're ready to go all around that time. And then Andrew Garfield asks Tobey Maguire, like, are you like, coming with this, you know, <laughs> this youth pastor? Look what right, you right. in your it's suit. It's so funny. And it, it wasn't, but the moment I, I love is where Tobey Maguire just like pulls down his t-shirt. He's like, yeah, of course I've got yeah, my suit. Like, just, that's great. <laughs> I could just imagine him thinking, what kind of question? I, I started this whole thing. What are you talking <laughs> right, about? Of course right, I've got right, my right, suit. Right. Let's go. Like, I, I came ready. So he just has that like comfortable, like you get to, yeah. uh, I don't know how old he is in, in, in relation of this, like this story, but you just get to that point yeah. where I'm, I'm just so comfortable in who I am. I just got that energy from it, from the actor and the character. Yeah, definitely. Like, especially compared to the original movies where he was first introduced as Spider-Man, where he seems very like unsure of himself. He's still trying to figure out his place in the world and 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 you know among people and and as Spider-Man. But like in this, yeah, he definitely brings like a sort of calm, older energy. Yeah, and I don't know if uh, any of the other characters to that to people. I think I <laughs> what was funny to uh, to see Jamie Fox as this version of Electro uh, Max Dillon because. I forgot what they did to him in in, in the uh, first. Oh no, he was only in the second one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Only, so in in the Amazing Spider-Man, the second one, where they kind of I don't know what stage of like Hollywood this was, where the geek just has to they just have to do stuff with him. They have to mess up his teeth, give him obviously mm-hmm. give him the glasses, like mess with his hair and stuff. I forgot they did that to him. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm just used to like Jamie Fox looking like Jamie Fox, and um, it was only when I went back and like. And I think they made a point of him, like, you know, you look different. Yeah, he looks good in that. I don't know why he looks good in this world, yeah. but he, he does. <laughs> so that was a funny moment. And Part Norman Osborn, I felt, was great in this. Yeah, he, he was really the standout for me. The way, I, my, almost my, like, criteria for maybe, Nigel, see if, 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 I'm, if I have any legs to stand on here. My criteria for a good actor is if you can play a role where you have to play two personalities and I could just look at you and I know which personality you are. Like when you can just switch from one to the other. Uh, to me, that's always amazing. I'm trying to think like right off. I can't think of off the top of my head, like who hits that, but I, you know I've definitely seen that? it. Jim Carrey. <laughs> Jim, oh, Jim yeah. Carrey would be yeah. a great one. That'd be a great I was gonna, one. I was going to keep it in the same film and say Tom Hardy. So Tom Hardy did a film oh, in oh, 2015 yeah. Legend where mm-hmm. he played both of the the Cray twins, mm. uh, so the notorious like like East End gangsters. I love that film. Yeah, and he, he's amazing yeah, in that. I, I forgot it's the same person. It's like uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> two, two, two completely different people, and he just did that so well. I think I mean he's been in a lot uh, of like of good uh, things, but I, I remember just watching that and be like, ah, oh, yeah, he's a good actor. Okay, <laughs> like I, I'll I'll give that to him. He's a really good actor. Yeah. So yeah, William Defoe has that that trait. Mm. especially when one of the characters is mad <laughs> so yeah, I, I just really liked how they um used like uh him and the goblin as like sort of like the the main big bad here like he's the one who you know obviously kills kills um aunt may and uh and then he becomes like the main like okay you know curing the others is one thing but he's like the the final boss which i really yeah. like Right. And that and that's why, you know, when we first see him uh, at feast and he's sitting at a table with Aunt May, at least for me, one thing I struggled with during my first viewing of this movie, and I'm looking, I think the second viewing is going to be better um, in this regard, is I it took me a while to 
buy into Aunt May's, you know, plead or case that Peter should save these. Because, like, we know how bad Green mm-hmm. Goblin yeah. is. And it's yeah. like, no, like, you don't understand what this person's kid. He's not mm-hmm. a good guy. He literally <laughs> yeah, she has, no has idea. disintegrated people with these crazy bombs, like, to <laughs> skeletons. Like, this is a bad guy. <laughs> don't save him. So I kind of was, like, with Peter being like, no, dude, it's not your responsibility. Like, send them back. These These guys don't deserve saving. But I think that, and, and when May dies, I could, that kind of came back being like, Peter, this is your fault. Like, but that like actually works so well with the movie mm-hmm. because it wasn't obvious. And it's so easy just to be like, with great power comes great responsibility. Okay, cool. You should be a hero. But like to actually make me feel the same things of like almost angry at Peter that he, you know, which is exactly how Peter's feeling angry at himself. It reminds me of in Civil War, I think, why that movie is such a good movie, um, for me at least, is the argument. I read the Civil War comics, and I kind of was always on Captain America's side. But the the arguments in Civil War, like, it's a really good argument. Like, I can see Tony's way, and I could see, you know, Cap's way. And, and that's why it's it's real conflict. And I think that was here, too. Like, this was not an easy decision and you could argue that maybe it wasn't the right decision like you know like to save these people and this was a little weird for me in the movie like who knows what they were doing until they got to the empire state building um you know maybe they were killing more people so that would be on peter too but i I, you know at the end again i think they they brought it home they they made it right and you know you, you you bought it and you understood the weight of that decision but yeah it was i just thought really powerful you kind of were we're in there with the characters in in terms of what you're feeling yeah and i I do feel that kind of goes to one of my worries before this i think like the one worry i had going into this film is that so you have his identity being revealed and then at the the first trailer the idea that i got is that okay they're just gonna reverse it they're gonna do the 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 comic book film we're gonna go back in well not go back in time but we're gonna use a spell we're gonna undo all this so i was thinking that it's going to be a within the first 20 minutes we're gonna go back to how it was before and then we're gonna get the story so when that didn't happen i was quite glad because what then happened like you said uh, i mean is essentially i mean they did get there in the end but it was earned and it came with consequence and part of that was Peter deciding let's give these guys a second chance that resulting in uh, May dying and then really learning that lesson so I appreciated that where they they went a different route than I was expecting and made the character earn the victory rather than just say we're just gonna snap back to forget all that we're just gonna snap back and now we're gonna give you the story which I for a moment I was like oh are they just gonna undo everything they've set up beforehand so yeah I did appreciate that yeah, and it's the same thing like at the end when he chooses not to tell MJ what he promised her is like you're you're there with him in that moment and you just want to shake him be like no mm-hmm. like dude like you guys are so good together yeah. you know like just you promised her all these things but it's the same thing it's like damn like yeah like I get it I get the decision you're making you know like I I feel it too Speaking of MJ like she I feel like she became a better character and it's like she came much more central because she was kind of i mean she was completely off to the side in the first one sort of the yeah, the the awkward uh beginning relationship and in the second but she came more became more central to like the the task uh the central kind of theme of this 
out of the story, like I mentioned, she said, you know, she was the one who said that's not who Peter is in terms of his his character. So I quite like the way she came in. I don't know if anyone else felt this, but obviously, well, it depends how closely uh, you follow celebrity news. I, I don't usually, but uh, just aware of uh, Zendaya and Tom Holland being together. Yeah. And then just <laughs> for me, just viewing the MJ Peter Parker relationship differently mm-hmm. because yeah, of it. Yeah, I, I definitely, ha- I was definitely, it was in my mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it felt more real, like the bit where they're on FaceTime together. I was like, oh, I bet they could do that. Like it felt natural. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Good for them. <laughs> now they can't ever break up. I know, no. right? <laughs> that is, that's it. We are, everyone is invested in this relationship <laughs> right now. So, <laughs> yeah, this is it. If for some reason, my YouTube shorts, uh, which I don't really spend too much time looking through YouTube shorts. So, I don't think they've personalized the algorithm too much to me. But for some reason, it they think much, I'm really invested in Zendaya and Tom Holland's <laughs> relationship, which, like, I'm, I'm, I mean, great for them, but I'm not really invested. That's <laughs> so, like, what you think, but YouTube yeah, knows right. you. YouTube it knows like how I really videos feel. And they know you. <laughs> so, they had that. And, uh, and then with Ned as well. Is he like now a sorcerer in the MCU? Is that his? Is that going to be his thing now? I don't know. I quite liked that though. When he was like, "Apparently, my family is magic," I was like, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, "There's yeah. going to be something going on here." <laughs> yeah, he, he does. I mean, he he opens them. He didn't quite get the the closing of the no. of the portals, but he's opening them up. But then I love how the treatment of Doctor Strange. Or the treatment of him by Doctor Strange because yeah. when he, he first there's a little said, bit of oh, respect there, yeah. At the end, but then the way he does it, he's like, it's just like a. He said at the end, like, oh, I I open the pause, and he's like, Doctor Strange's like, huh? Like he doesn't even say, huh? Come with me. We need to investigate. We need to right. ask questions. Just no, like, he's just like, huh. <laughs> no. But to me, it was like, okay, like mental note. I'm saving yeah, that yeah. in my brain <laughs> yeah. for later. But I guess it comes back to what are the rules, which is, I'm sure, the big question there'll be all these theories about. What are the rules of the spell? You know, like, do MJ and Peter know that they helped Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. So, like, do, you know, like, does, uh, do, do they remember any of that? I, I don't, it's hard to, yeah. a lot, it's a lot to think about. Yeah, that's something that I was wondering, like, at the end, I was like, so, so what are the parameters of the spell exactly? Like, if someone has a memory with with you know spider-man do they do they forget if it was too closely involved with peter yeah like what what happens i mean but it was very clear it wasn't forget peter parker and spider-man it was just forget peter parker so i think Mm spider-man yeah it's true that's but i think it's gonna be like i think dr strange will still remember saving the world with him i think it's just you know, there's so much we can go on and on, you know, like, yeah. do, does does uh, Stark Industries have any record of him anymore? Because he was supposed to be the next, you know, like, father of that company, CEO, whatever it is. Yeah, I hope that gets, like, explored some more in the in the next, what, what comes next, you know? You see, now, this was my movie. I didn't have faith that they were going to get it right. But now they proved to me that they can. I say, yep, they'll figure it. They'll do it right. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. In, in Kevin Feige, we trust. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I've mentioned Matt Murdock uh, already, but I really like the sort of the potential uh, for that. So there's the potential for him being, you know, the, the MCU lawyer as well as Daredevil. So the thing I'm now considering is how, how much of, of the daredevil in that netflix series do we see because that's quite a gritty 
hard character. And I think there was a uh, there was a recent story with um, I forgot his name, but the Punisher, the guy who played the Punisher, which actually is another. Uh, good Netflix series. I forgot to mention that uh, earlier, but he said something about not wanting to do the Punisher in the MCU unless they do it right. And I yeah. felt that for like right for him main, means because the Punisher that's a very tough, like gritty, like hard mm. uh, series. And I almost forget that that's a Marvel Disney? character. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> and especially the Marvel we've come to know the Marvel under Disney. Because if we're talking, I mean, like Fox is no more, but if we're talking the Marvel under Fox that brought us Logan, I get it. That's I, that's easy. I can see that Daredevil in there. The Disney one, uh, I'm not sure. So Daredevil is not to the same extent, but is very like visceral kind of thing. So I, I want to see that. I don't want to see uh, anything kind of uh, sanded off any, any edges. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that with the show. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, you know, being all excited about, oh, we are going to get our Daredevil Spider-Man movie uh, or show or whatever it is. But I don't think you do, because I, th- I think I think they know if you're going to do Daredevil, which presumably they will now, whether that means rebooting it or carrying, you know, carrying on, whatever it is, I, I think they know it has to be dark, it has to be that next that next step. And interesting bit of information is uh, John Favreau played Foggy Nelson in the Ben Affleck Daredevil film, which I didn't even. Yeah. I had to just look up. I had to just look that up. I, I totally <laughs> didn't remember that. What is that? What is the one thing that comes to mind when you think of that Daredevil film? Uh, that I'm not even sure if I saw it or not. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? Because I feel like I feel like there's an answer. I never saw it. <laughs> oh, all right. So for me, it's it's Evanescence. Is that that's the first time that song became popular? Um, oh, I don't know if it was written for that movie, but it was in that movie. And when I think of that, I think Evanescence. <laughs> that's interesting. You know, I just like I'm generally I'm, I might have seen it and just forgotten. Like I have that ability, but I I don't know if I've seen that film, um, which probably says no. It, it says more about me than it does about the film. But uh, from what I remember, it's not the best interpretation of the character. Well, just wait until the next Daredevil MCU project when they bring back Ben Affleck through a portal. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I know. Ben Affleck's done. He's done with, like, you know, franchise uh, IP films. That's, that's what I read. Yeah. Oh, Disney, no. Disney, Disney could get him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If anyone could get him. <laughs> yeah, they never thought, like, yeah, uh, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. Right, so, right. so, yeah, I'm definitely excited. And, again, season three, Daredevil... Best Marvel series by none uh, for my money. And the so another interesting point I wanted to highlight in this film is the the third act. We've talked about it on the podcast before, this idea of the third act in so many comic book films sort of falling short. Uh, and I think one of the best slash worst examples for me is, uh, was Wonder Woman, where as much as I liked the first Wonder Woman film, the I just remember being disappointed by the the third act being a letdown in terms of the uh the narrative stakes the emotional stakes that was set up in the previous two uh acts but here in spider-man no way from home i was quite satisfied by the end in terms of everything didn't just descend into a cg fight between hills i mean we, we had that um we definitely had that but there was an emotional weight to it and amy had mentioned civil war I think that's one of the, if not the best example for me, of a a third act done right. Because what they've done in Civil War 
is move the big CGI battle to the second act. So you get that. You get that uh, eye candy uh, and it's great. But then they go to the real emotional weight of the story, which is the small scale um, battle between Tony, Bucky, and 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 cap so and you felt that you felt that betrayal that that friendship breaking down and it's 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 hard to watch when it's people you you've been following and everyone you like you like everyone but they're all fighting so here you have the emotional weight that's tied to this idea of peter being the guy that's giving people a second chance the consequence that comes from that and him trying to sort of correct that so the fight has meaning beyond just oh look at the the, the pretty graphics and they were very mm-hmm. pretty uh, graphics but yeah I don't know how everyone else felt about that that third act and what it meant for the the character I liked it a lot but I can't help I don't know I was just talking to my friend about it earlier it's like yeah I like it but I also my my heart's just broken for Peter because he's like it had this like upliftingness to it where he like swung off but at the same time I'm like he's literally on his own now like he's got no friends he's got no Aunt May None of the Avengers remember who he is. He's literally on his own. And my heart is, oh my God, no, it's, in, it's, in, it's in shatters. It's so sad. And that's all I could think about. I was I was crying so much at the end of that movie. <laughs> and then that just made it worse because I was like, no, talk to them. You need friends. Just just pretend like you need friends, Peter. Mm-hmm. You're literally, you're so alone now. Like you can't take this on your own. You need people in your lives. Like mm. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I had no clue that I was gonna leave this movie so excited and dumbfounded. Like I have no idea what's coming for him. You know, mm. what does Spider-Man Four look like? I, I have no. I, I just had no idea that I was gonna feel that way. I'm more excited for the continuation of Spider-Man than I've ever been before, which is really wild mm-hmm. yeah definitely like this this the, the the end of this movie had so many like especially important superhero questions to them because there's always that that question of like right when you're a superhero uh, if your identity is revealed then all your loved ones are immediately in danger and like how do you deal with that and and like i i and usually it's the the answer is like oh yeah you need your friends you need your allies you need people to to support you but of course at the end of this movie he decides against that he decides he he, he needs to go it alone probably because of all the trauma he went through in this film <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah i'm really excited to see where this goes like is he going to be proven wrong in that decision because like i mean he, again like as mentioned he went against uh what he promised mj which like to me that felt like oh my gosh <laughs> oh, that <laughs> and, hurt. And, like yeah <laughs> like, it hurt. and it's like oh how could you do that and then yeah i just wonder if you know from here if he's gonna you know change his mind on that at some point or be proven wrong and i'm but or not and i and i'm just yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes next. Or, as MJ said, if he doesn't, she'll figure it out. She did it once, right. and she could do it yeah. again. Yeah, that's a great that's a great line, and it's a great point to bring up because I think it would be true to her character mm. if she did figure it out somehow. Like if anyone oh, was going to figure it out, that. it would be her. I would also say, I guess, bring it just forward before that that moment in the fight where, even though this is Peter Parker, Tom Holland's Peter Parker's story for the one that carries such emotional weight was when mj fell and was falling oh. pr one couldn't get to her and then uh pr three dives down and saves her from falling and like i said my film memory is 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 terrible so i'd for a moment i'd forgotten how his story ended where he failed to mm-hmm. save um gwen, gwen. 
Gwen, I've forgotten that moment. But, oh, it was painful. Yeah. And, <laughs> and um, so when he saved it, and he just had that moment where you could see like the, the emotion on him. Uh, it wasn't quite on MJ because she didn't know the, the meaning, but like, the emotion on him, it just, that was done so well by Andrew but Garfield. Cause you just MJ felt- didn't know it, but she, she did say something, I think, where, you know, he asks her, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. And then she says, are you? And then you kind of see the emotion oh, hit yeah, him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. He was like acting. He was really, he was oh. acting like crazy with those, those facial expressions, the tears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was already crying, but again, that just tipped me over the edge even more. Like my face mask was soaked. By the <laughs> <end of it. laughs> yeah. It was just because in that, in that moment is when I was like, Oh yeah, you didn't save her. And she, right. Oh, then everything just came, uh, came back. Like that was such a, and, that, and that's, I mean, that Spider, I haven't seen Amazing Spider-Man 2 for a while. Um, maybe I'll rewatch it now. But I remember it ends very dark. He's in a very dark place. And that's yeah. why it makes so much sense that he continued down this dark path. Um, we find out here. But I, I mean, I, I this so it was in the trailers of her falling. I d- just didn't see it coming. So that was another, that was honestly like, it's probably second to... Uh, Matt Murdock of the most surprising maybe that this was the most surprising because I, I knew that this was going to happen and she was going to fall because we had seen it but I just oh, okay. did not expect no I didn't put that together to either in. yeah it's, yeah just it's so well done and then you had like Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker stopping Tom Holland's Peter Parker from just like giving in to sort of anger and and vengeance and stopping him from killing Osborne so that was a good moment for his arc so I felt like all the Peter Parker's got that closure and that that meaningful Mm -hmm. closure and it just added to that the weight of the the third act that made it meaningful that part was was interesting to me because when he started beating on green goblin i was a little taken back because i my my thought was wait a minute didn't you already not get past this but didn't you already kind of make that decision he said i'm gonna kill you so i was just a little bit surprised that that was what he was falling back on because I kind of thought he had already decided not to kill him. But to be fair, though, there's there's the the words. Yeah, I'm not going to hundred percent. And then there's the here's the guy. Uh, we're here and in the moment. So I, there's a fair point. Yeah, I, I can get, I can understand that. Like, yeah, just forget what I said. <laughs> the guy's here. Right, right. And, and how'd you guys feel about Toby McGuire getting stabbed and then kind of being okay? Oh yeah, well, actually, this this gets to my the question I was going to ask. I'm going to answer your question with a question: Is did that undercut the moment? Because right. when he when he got stabbed, I I thought, oh, that's it. They they're going to kill him off, which I guess they could do because it's not like they right. signed Tobey Maguire yep. to a deal. But then he's like, oh, I'm okay. I, I've been stabbed before. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, is that a callback to a moment that I've that I've forgotten uh... from the original trilogy? Right. To, to my knowledge of Spider-Man, they have like semi-armored skin and also mildly accelerated healing, which is what yeah. I will put that down to. Because my mum turned to me after she was like, so what was that? And I was like, I think from my years of reading and watching it, it's this. <laughs> and like, <laughs> so I'm going to put it down to that. But no, I did think I was like, oh, wow, he's going to get. And then, yeah, he was like, no, I'm all right. I was like, oh, of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <I> was, okay. <laughs> Because then that made me think of the the question I'm going to put to everyone is this idea of like the Marvel format. So I mentioned Logan. And again, for my money, I'm putting a lot of money out in this mm-hmm. show. But for my money, like Logan might be the best Marvel story that has been told. I'm going to I'm going to go with that. It's on record now. I've said it. <laughs> but that is a very 
very gritty, obviously very bloody, very violent. It has funny moments, but it doesn't do the the Marvel thing of, I don't know what the, the last per second ratio they're going for, but there always has to be a, a funny moment, a humorous moment. And, you know, for the most part, it is funny. But does it undercut the, the tension, the, the drama, especially in moments like Peter Parker being stabbed and thinking he's going to die, only to reveal that, oh, he's okay, I've been stabbed before, joke, ha ha uh, and continue. So I don't know how you feel about it in this film, but then also Marvel in general, the way they approach their their storytelling and, and inserting like gags to relieve the tension. All I know is I was grinning from ear to ear throughout the entire movie, except for when I was sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that's what makes MCU so special is because they can do that but they can also have the serious moments like with Aunt May. So they made the decision, obviously, to not do another serious moment. Yes, I'm trying to think like if they did, like what that would have meant, it would have just really put it on Peter and been like, no, Peter, you screwed up again. Like you you didn't learn your lesson and now somebody paid the price again, which Hmm. just would have put it in a much darker place um, so I don't know, maybe the whole scene could have been reconfigured. Maybe, you know, did, uh, Toby have to jump in there, but then it was also good for Toby's arc of, you know, kind of who he was mm-hmm. at that moment as Spider-Man and as the oldest and things like that. So I think it worked overall, but it, yeah, it was a, it was a little, a little weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was a little jarring because like, especially like the way it's framed and the way like the, 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 you know, sound and whatever is set up, it makes you think that he's, you know, oh no, he's been stabbed or whatever. And then and it's just suddenly like swept aside like that. Yeah. And it does feel a little jarring. And like, I do find that sometimes the MCU stuff does, it does get a bit jarring when like, you know, there's a serious moment and it's undercut by like a joke or whatever. I did, I didn't think this movie had too much of that going on. But yeah, I did. I did feel a little strange at the end when it was like, oh, no, it's framed as, oh, he no, he's been stabbed. And it's like, did he really need to get stabbed if it wasn't really going to mean anything? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's a good question. And yeah, you, you talk about like undercut in the moment. And I think the a good example for me is um, Thor Ragnarok, which mm. which I thought was great. And I enjoyed it. I, I, I've laughed. I laughed more at that than I have at any other at MCU, it was genuinely funny. However, it also left me thinking that every dramatic moment in that film is undercut because it's essentially a comedy. And then, and the thing in comedy is that your protagonist doesn't get hurt. So it was, mm-hmm. it was jarring in that we have we have Thor, we have what we know about you know what's coming in the MCU, just completely undercut by the knowledge that this is a comedy and no one's really getting hurt. And that's mm-hmm. like the extreme example for me so that's why as much as i love that film it always like throws me off to to think about it because it's just so undercut where like i mentioned logan has been a for me like a, a great a great film that doesn't do that it just it leans in i mean the protagonist dies in in the end so it's like the it's just dark and it it works and it's almost i don't know because it's difficult because like disney and the marvel things are great but it's almost like you or for me you also want other other styles other uh, other ways of telling stories and this moment with toby Maguire's peter parker just made me uh think of that mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting the point you made about thor though because now i'm thinking like i agree with you for thor ragnarok but then if you look at thor's overall arc 
to you know Thor two, Thor three, and then Infinity War and Endgame. I mean, he's probably actually the most tragic character. So yeah, it's it's almost like there's this weight that maybe the MCU has that it's like these movies have to be enjoyable and light. But so if you're just watching it, you might think that. But if you're as invested as all we are, that we would sit on a, you know, and and do a podcast to to analyze it, you know, you realize how much deeper it actually is. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's certainly interesting. There's there's layers there. Yeah, I think overall it's a, a good thing. I think the way they've the way they've gone about it is is a good thing. It's, it's just it's always those moments where you're like, could they have done this a different way? Could it could it be better? But yeah, versus, I think versus just like Star Wars, another Disney you know property that doesn't get like that. I mean, it it a lot of you know anytime you have a question about Star Wars, it's like, well, did you read this book that you know fills in this time, or did you play that video game that's not canon anymore, like whatever it is, you know. And especially you know you see the prequels, even some of the new ones, like they sometimes what you see is what you get. Like you're left just kind of filling in the pieces of, well, I think this is why they did this or what you know. But here, like it really can go a lot deeper, and it's not speculating it's it's written for you there so yeah i think yeah the third act definitely had uh weight to it and, and yeah did a better job than most comic book films of making meaning of the final act um aside from all the cgi and that was in part due to uh the themes uh, and as we do our deep dives always like to uh, pull out themes because i think it's important to have uh, themes in any any good story so we have a lot of characters as i mentioned and they all work for the most part because there's a consistent theme that ties them together so we have the the obvious one you know spider-man story with great power comes great responsibility we have the spell that will make everyone forget and like i mentioned the idea that it wasn't necessarily just given it was it was earned so peter does get what he wants by the end but it comes at a cost and it comes with him learning uh, the story. And, and what I realize is this this arc, this three-film uh, arc is essentially Peter's origin story because we don't we don't see him get bit by the spider and go through all that because we, we know that by now. Like Spider-Man's like probably the, the most popular superhero ever. We know that story. But this three-series um, arc is him learning what is the core spider-man lesson with great power comes great responsibility which i didn't actually realize at the time but as i was putting the notes together it kind of made me realize that yeah you're just making me realize that it's like oh if i didn't love it before i do now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we have that one and um, the other two that were interesting to me i, I don't know what uh, you all think about this but there was a moment particularly early on this idea of instant fame that comes with being spider-man and how others treat you differently and how that impacts those around you. So the one that made me think about this is when he, when Peter goes to school after, well, I guess the one uh, Flash, his friend, who just now are like, I'm his best friend. I'm trying to get some of that fame. <laughs> but the, um, when he goes to school and the teachers, and the teachers are all treating him like just completely differently. Oh, yeah. And it always yeah. makes me wonder because uh, I, I'm not famous, but from a distance looking at famous people, I always imagine it must be weird to be, to a certain extent, the same person where others didn't care about you before, but now you're, I don't know, whatever this image of who they think Spider-Man is, now it's you. Now I care about you. Now I'm going to treat you differently. There must be, 
that must be difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. boohoo celebrities, right? But that must be a weird, <laughs> just on a human level, psychologically, to have everyone know you and still be alone because that's what he is at, at the beginning. He can't go anywhere. Yeah. I really like the. I really like how they portrayed like fame in that in that in that opening, like the the bit where it just shows how his life has changed now that everyone knows. And I just, I really like that, just showing like all the various things that happen because it really like makes you puts you there with him, right? So that you like feel why he would want to undo this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm with him. Like I I would I don't think I'd want to be famous. Like I I mean he says now and then. <laughs> Uh, someone's going <laughs> to clip this later and be, <laughs> be like, "You lied." Um, but no, I don't. I, I don't think I'd. I wouldn't be famous because I just wouldn't. I don't know. That was unsettling to me. Just having other people just just treat you differently when you've you've just been the same person and you've been doing what you've been doing. But now, yeah, it's, it's just a weird. That's a weird thing. It's always been a weird thing for me in terms of like fame and celebrity. Yes, especially in high school. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's even. Yeah. Even double. So you go through all all other. Uh, manner of things as well and then the other theme that really connected with me is this idea of empathy and i feel in this sort of pandemic times uh, it's kind of a big theme for me in general just this idea of second uh, or third chances so we see peter in the position to to save the people who are trying to kill him or, or multiverse versions of him and as I went over, like you have that moment where he's, you can see the 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 wheels turning. <laughs> he's like, "Am I gonna take away this box? Am I gonna save these people?" Yeah, this is who I am. People deserve a second chance, and it's not a it's not a clean decision. It's not like a black and white decision because it comes as we see with like dire consequences. But by the end, and when he's talking with Happy over um, over May's grave and saying like, you know, this is kind of what she wanted and she'll live on through sort of the way she impacted uh, others it's kind of like is this the right decision did did he make the right decision <laughs> basically is is empathy a, a good thing i like to think it is but yeah i love i love that theme again like as i i think i mentioned it before but i love like this whole thing with a superhero right where it's they have to make the decision if they if it's worth trying to save someone if it might come at the cost of someone else or it might like be really risky is this person is is it even possible to save this person or are they too far gone and like i love watching mm. heroes struggle with that question and and like yeah i th- i think that's like my favorite theme in like superheroes and their arcs like watching them grapple with this question so i really enjoyed that in this yeah what did you think Haley? i mean would you, would you have shown such empathy in that moment I think that's really interesting. I hadn't really thought about Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that before, but that actually is something that's really that's one of like the questions that always comes back almost to haunt me in my own life. Um, through personal experiences of friends, you know, who have gone down paths that uh I, I, certainly I didn't agree with or that wasn't healthy for them, but also um uh, my background in medicine, you know, how difficult it is to help difficult if not impossible sometimes uh to help a patient uh who or a person who just doesn't want to help themselves right and it's always sort of this question of what is your responsibility as a person on this planet or even a person you know who's dedicated their you know whose job it is to heal people what is your responsibility to someone how much do you need to pull them or take them to cross the line of to you know to the side of healing 
And I think everyone has to, there's probably no one answer that's applicable for all situations. Everyone has to kind of feel that out for themselves in this scenario, but it's a really, really tough one. Uh, so I, I, that, that's actually something I really, really resonate with and always struggle with. My wife just showed me the movie um, for the first time. I'd never Freedom Riders, which is, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's the story of, it, it's a true story of this, you know, white teacher who starts working in this inner city or very low income, low income school, which is primarily black and Latino. And, and there's all these, you know, gang violence and turf wars and all this stuff. And she basically sacrifices in a way her entire, her, her life, her marriage falls apart, you know, things like that, because she takes such an active role in these kids' lives and trying to make a difference. And it's incredible what she does. Mm. True story, you know. It's like a Dangerous these, Minds thing. I'm getting a Dangerous Minds vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's sim similar kind of thing. But, you know, these kids, uh, I think all of them graduated high school. And I think most of them got college degrees, which for that population of students is essentially unheard of. No one else believed in them, but she did. Ah. So it's an you know amazing thing, but but it was a sacrifice on her own, and no one could have asked her, or expected to make that sacrifice, but but she did it, and I think that's a really interesting question for all of us: is like what responsibility, right? What responsibility do we have to other people? Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go see that that now. You've, yeah, it's, uh, it's you know it's that. it's an older movie, so it it the, it feels a little bit older in some ways, but it's a, it's a nice story. Cool. But yeah, there was that, uh, and the whole thing with Spider-Man, right, is the responsibility, like what is, it, is his responsibility as Spider-Man to save people? And yeah, I, I yeah, like to think I would have, to be fair, uh, in the moment, I was kind of with Doctor Strange. I was like, yeah, just, uh, you don't know these people, just send them back, <laughs> whatever. But um, yeah, I can understand uh, having a bit more empathy uh, in that situation. I for sure would have sent them back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it's been a much shorter film uh, if, uh, if we do right. pain in it. Right. Uh, um, all right, before I get to this uh, story tip, just want to give a moment to, for any space for favorite moments, favorite scenes, what do we think about the MCU going forward? So does anyone have a favorite moment that we haven't covered yet? I think everyone's truly favorite moment is the fine Peter Parker. Like that's just going to go yeah. down in history. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Daredevil for me. Mm. Yeah, for me, just because it was the the genuine surprise. Like I, I was not expecting that. Whereas there was, even though it wasn't confirmed by the time I had gone to see it, there was some level of I'm expecting to see Tobey Maguire and right. Andrew Garfield. But I, I was take, I was genuinely taken aback when I saw Matt Murdock. I think for me, um, because I didn't go into this knowing that um, Willem Dafoe and uh, Tobey Maguire would be there. I knew, like, I think I knew, I was expecting Andrew Garfield and I was expecting, um, obviously, uh, Doc Ock to be there because they've been, especially Doc Ock was teased pretty heavily in the posters and whatever. So I was expecting that. But, like, for me, like, as soon as you see, like, Willem Dafoe as, uh, as uh, Norman Osborn, I was very, that was great. I was very pleased. <laughs> I wish I could have gone into I wish I had the self-discipline to have <laughs> gone dark and not watch the trailers. I know, and right? That would have been such an experience. Yeah, I only saw I only saw like the posters and like I think the earliest teaser, maybe. And then oh, I, I didn't look at anything else. So I was good I was I, I was plenty of surprises. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think we need to we need to go back to that. I don't know how we do it in a social media age, but just get to a point where just go and see the film and then judge the film on, on what you see, not set up expectations based on your own yeah, what you feel so should happen. Yeah, it, it is really hard. But uh, I do like what Marvel do with some of their trailers because they don't give too much away. Like they didn't give necessarily too much away, like relatively speaking. And I think the best example is like Endgame because what was in the trailers was like the first 20 minutes. So mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. a point where they, they killed Thanos, it's like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen from here on out. And that's where I like to be. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Tell me the story. So I, I feel that. I, I think the one moment I will mention that we haven't touched on is the the fight between Doctor Strange and Peter Parker in the Mirror Dimension, which oh, is really yeah, cool, like visually speaking, like really cool moment. Mirror Dimension is always really cool. Yeah, the visuals are just really, really great. Although it, it, it was another thing that, that made me like, uh, you know, made me tilt my head a bit at the portrayal of Doctor Strange as being, Agreed. you know, yeah, as being so easily defeated by this young <laughs> for me, if, For me, it wasn't him being defeated because I feel like they they showed that and they kind of showed like, no, Peter's really smart and he could figure this out. So that was okay. For me, it was when he threw him into the um, near dimension. There's a mm. scene of him kind of falling, you know, and the, the city's bending around him. I was just like, isn't this like a little overkill? Like, mm-hmm. could you just do something also, else? Like, isn't isn't like isn't Doctor Strange? He's like he's like a surgeon, right? That was his origin, right? Yeah. And you have to be smart to be a surgeon. So how could he not figure out the math that Peter Parker could? Oh, I think he. Well, first of all, I'll just tell you from my own experience. Just because you're a doctor or if you're a surgeon has no correlation whatsoever with mathematical <laughs> That's yeah. do because i'm horrible at math um but different different skill sets but yeah that's uh thanks for letting us know there you go <laughs> nip that one in the bud <laughs> uh so yeah don't take your math homework to your to your doctor kids <laughs> Yeah, take it to your artist instead. Yeah, <laughs> I have a degree in math. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> All right, there you go. And then the other question that I want to ask is: Everyone still on the Marvel train and excited to see what comes next? Because, like I mentioned, we I feel we're in a place where people are just naturally going to get off, like off the train after Endgame. Once you destroy and bring back half the universe, where do you go from there? So I can appreciate that. I do think there's an element of people just it'll just be it'll just be fun to just disparage the the MCU regardless. It'll just become the thing to do. Where are you all on the train? Are you still on the train? Looking forward to what comes next. I'm always on the train, never gonna leave it. <laughs> Been on the train since I was like, I don't know. God, five. <laughs> so uh, I've been born and raised in comic books. So I don't think there's any way I'm ever going to leave. Kelly is on a train, she's making her way to the drivers. <laughs> the, I don't know what you call it, the train cockpit thing, but the front carriage. Amiad, where are you? Yeah, I mean, I think after Endgame, there definitely was like regular, such a adrenaline high. And, and, you know, I think the shows have been great. Uh, and the movies have been, have been good, but they haven't felt that same level, which is which is understandable. And I'm I'm always I'm I'm also always on the MCU train. But I feel like this movie is really what pushed me forward. And then seeing the trailer for um, the next Doctor Strange, it looks like it's only going to continue of just that feeling. But I'm telling you, when I leave a movie and I just think or say out loud, like, thank God we live in a timeline 
where the MCU exists. Thank God for the MCU. Thank Kevin Feige. <laughs> uh, how about yourself, Penelope? Uh, yeah, I think I agree that this is the first time I felt like, you know, excited to see the next installment and in something since that phase three uh, Infinity War Endgame part. Because I've been, I, I've definitely found myself having to be more selective with which things I'm watching because I, I, I work a lot and, <laughs> and like, so I can't like just what mar- marathon everything. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm definitely excited to see what comes next for Spider-Man and for Doctor Strange as well. So, okay, cool. I, I'm also on the train, maybe not as far ahead in the carriage as as Haley is, but <laughs> yeah, I'm holding onto my ticket, uh, ready for inspection. So I, I feel that we, I mean, like just first of all, I I always want to say this when we look at like the films, the, the TV, just like the level, like. Can you imagine being someone who's reading the comics in the, I don't know, 50s and 60s or whatever, and seeing this on the screen? I think it's just amazing, like, um, how far uh, that has come. I enjoy the joy what has come so far, like, after Endgame. I can definitely appreciate, like, people just saying, ah, okay, that story has been told. I don't need to see any more. From the perspective of someone uh, who's also making some form of their own uh, universe, I'm just fascinated because I feel, you know, barring a few kind of like uh, Thor 2 or uh, Iron Man 3s, everything is is better than it needs to be. It it doesn't need to have this level of care and detail and attention. And again, you could be cynical and say, you know, it's just to get people in to, I don't know, sell Disney Plus subscriptions, get people to buy merchandise, whatever. There's always... Uh, some element of that but just from what's being done on a story perspective like i think it's just amazing and i'm i'm intrigued to see how they go from here and how they continue to build while introducing new stories but not make it too convoluted where we get to a point that has happened with the comics where it becomes a barrier to entry and it becomes less accessible so i'm interested to see how they strike that balance and yeah just generally enjoy the film so i'm i'm also on the train I'm comfortable uh, in in seat in my seat, so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where where this goes next. One moment, just to mention a moment that we haven't mentioned is where all the Spider Men are together, and uh, Tom Holland is like, "Oh yeah, I was part of the Avengers," and Tobey Maguire is like, "The Avengers? That's so cool. Is that a band? Like, what is that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, all their interactions are just uh, fantastic. So that has been our discussion uh on spider-man no way home let us know what you think uh, you can send us your feedback uh, by email feedback at mymatter.com uh, or jump on our discord uh, or contact us on social media uh, before we end this episode i want to make sure uh, i give the storytelling tip Each time we do a deep dive on the podcast, I like to pull out a tip for others to consider when making their own stories. So this is a consideration from someone who creates stories and likes to learn from the techniques or mistakes of others. So for this episode, uh, I wanted to discuss the idea that with great protagonists come great responsibility. Um, So this is a tip about having your protagonist take responsibility for the events that happen to them and those around them. So Spider-Man No Way Home is a story about accepting your responsibility as a superhero 
but this idea also applies to any well-written protagonist, regardless of whether they're dealing with the multiverse or not. So it's a tip that relates to making proactive protagonists, that is, main characters who are actively making choices, whether good or bad, in pursuit of their goals. If you've ever experienced a story where you've become bored or just generally disengaged, you could be watching a passive protagonist, which is a character who is passively reacting to events around them rather than actively taking decisions that lead to situations. Now, your protagonist can react to things, that's fine. But at key moments, they have to make choices and those choices have to have consequences. This is why it's important to develop fully fleshed out characters and specifically protagonists who have wants and needs and a worldview that informs the actions that they take. So this protagonist must still actively make a choice that engages them in the rest of the plot. For example, in Avatar The Last Airbender's ninth episode, The Waterbending Scroll, Katara's theft of the scroll gets the group captured by pirates and then Zuko. So Katara steals the scroll because she wants to get better at waterbending, especially after seeing Aang surpass her in skill. It's a result of her character that she makes the choice to do something that's actually out of character for her, but we understand why she does it. So the consequences of her actions uh, make for a good story. In Full Metal Alchemist, Edward Elric blames himself for the loss of his limbs and his brother's entire body. This is because it was his idea to transmutate or attempt to transmutate uh, his and Al's mother in the first place. And as he got off easy compared to his brother, and as a result, you can see where he's coming from. Even though Al did go along with it, what matters is that in the mind of your protagonist, they are fully responsible. Uh, Another good example is Lion King where Simba spends most of the time believing he killed his father, uh, mostly due to his uncle's manipulations. So the self-blame may not be warranted, but the key is that in your protagonist's mind, it is, and they act accordingly. Uh, We mentioned Arcane, and we have uh, another example with Powder and Vi uh, in that series, where Vi feels a weight of responsibility for who Powder has become and the actions that Jinx has taken since their separation. So it's... Related to your character's ghost or the lie they believe and is an event that shapes their worldview. This is the difference that we see. The difference that we see here is that the key event plays out in the story. So with Spider-Man, we see Norman Osborn kill Aunt May in front of Peter. This is a traumatic event in any circumstances, but it's made more powerful, at least narratively speaking, because we can draw a line between May's death and Parker. Uh, making the decision to save the villains and freeing them to give them a second chance. So he bears the responsibility and that's a much more interesting journey uh, to go on. So here are some things to consider when giving your protagonist the responsibility for the events of your story. Number one is understand who your character is. So what do they believe and what actions will they take in defense of those beliefs? Uh, For your protagonist to make impactful decisions that fit your narrative, you need to know who they are. So even though we know Katara is honest and responsible, we understand why she would steal the waterbending scroll. She wants to get better at her bending and is also not immune to jealousy she feels when seeing Aang adapt so quickly to something we've seen her struggle to get to grips with. Uh, This is where you also need to have a good understanding of your antagonist as it's the forces of antagonism that will push your protagonist to take actions in line with their beliefs. Number two is what are the consequences of those actions? 
So when your protagonist takes an action based on who they are, we see that leads to dramatic consequences. So when we talk about those key moments early on, that uh, it says essentially setting up the rest of your story. So even though we've seen Peter mess up Doctor Strange's spell and the multiverse open up, Peter later deciding to take the spell box is effectively setting up the rest of the story, thematically speaking. And it's sometimes difficult as a creator of the story to put your protagonist in difficult situations, but we need to see it. We need to see what is the worst that can happen as a result of their actions. And that's what we see when uh, we see May uh, be stabbed by Norman Osborn's glider thingy. Number three is to make your protagonist choose over and over again. So it's not just enough to have your protagonist make one choice and that's it. There have to be many moments where your character makes the conscious decision to continue on the path they are on, usually as things get worse around them. So we see Edward and his brother Alphonse face many challenges on their journey uh, to get their bodies back, but they are continue to take active decisions to pursue their goals. So your protagonist should also reach multiple points of challenge where they have to choose to continue going. Each one is with their own consequences. And lastly, give your protagonist a revelation. So the journey of your protagonist should take them to a place where the proverbial penny drops, whatever that means for your story. So for the most part, all character arcs take them to the place where they realize they're responsible for their own lives. And with Lion King, once we see Simba learn the truth behind his father's death, he also learns that he must take responsibility for what happens next, something he struggles with, but eventually, despite the constant challenges, he comes to the realization that his responsibility is his and his alone and then he becomes king and everyone is happy. So that is the storytelling tip for this week. There will be a video version of this on YouTube at some point. You can also send us your own tips and we'll read them out on the show. So whether it's a comic, manga, video game, book, or something else, you can send them to feedback at myamada.com or join our Discord and let us know there. So that's the story tip penale. Let's uh, check in with our guests. Okay, but um, Amiad had to had to leave us, so um, I, I guess for him, I will I will say that um, you can probably catch up on anything that he gets up to on um, at Digital Doc Games on Twitter, or his personal account on at Digital Doc MD. Uh, how about you, Haley? Uh, are you do you have any uh, projects that you've been working on lately? Uh, any interesting news? Nothing like. Specific, I'm doing, but I'm a cosplayer. You can find me on any social media under Cotter Kitty. Uh, but I'm also working more on a YouTube channel now as well. Whenever me and my friends do outings in cosplay or at Comic Cons, etc., I film a little vlog, and they're very silly. <laughs> they're not they're not your serious kind of like convention experience. They're a bit more I don't know the wacky side of Comic Con. <laughs> I suppose how okay, I put it. That's an important side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the chaos. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I describe them as chaos vlogs, basically. <laughs> uh, but I, I pers- me and my friends love to watch them, uh, and that's what matters. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah. YouTube and mostly my Instagram. I used to be quite do quite a lot of TikTok, my cosplay, but that has fallen to the wayside <laughs> now, unfortunately. All right. Well, good to know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. And thank you to Amiad, who had to uh, leave slightly earlier. But thanks, Hayley. How was the experience of being on the podcast? Yeah, really good. Wonderful. <laughs> cool. <laughs> 
No, thanks for joining us. And if you enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And wherever they let you review podcasts, you can give us a five-star review, a five-star rating and review. So that helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. You can also just share the links that works too. Don't forget to check out our own stories on the My Matter website. We've got a number of titles, including the latest release, Serious Through the Fog. And you can also join our Discord community and check out our Studio 77 membership for exclusive access to gamepad events and content from the My Matter universe, like Games Nights, which uh, I definitely recommend uh, you check out. Uh, so as I mentioned, this is one of our uh, last episodes of the year, but we will still be releasing episodes on Thursdays. So we'll have some roundup episodes and then some bonus episodes. Uh, those will include creator interviews, video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. And then we'll be back in 2022 for season four of Story X Story. Uh, you can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at myamada.com. And our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So thank you everyone for tuning in. And until next time, uh, stay safe and find Peter Parker. That's a, <laughs> that's just going to live in infamy, that line. Uh, take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.